don't never point the finger at others when it's your fault. Oh, wow. You know, always look yourself in the mirror and be able to own any mistake that you make. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's, you know, other dynamics that can take place that you can't control. But the things that you can control, mm -hmm. you have to be able to own the mistake if it doesn't go the way that, that, that you hope for. Hi, I'm Eric Weir, and welcome to another episode of Stuttering Your Way to Success. Today, I have a very special guest, CJ Spiller. <laughs> CJ. Uh, how you doing, Eric? Uh, it's an honor uh, to be on here with you. So good to have you on, and, and you did me a favor. I've got a, I've got, I've got a book I wrote. He, he wrote a Ford for me on it. Yeah. He, he was in there, and I tell you what, watching your career and everything that you've been up to, you've, you've been a success. And I was just talking before we came on, and you gave me an answer I didn't expect at all. I, mean, I was like, wow, it was, it was fantastic. So, I mean, you've been success at college football, high school football, in the pros, and, then, and now you're coaching. And I'm like, well, you're in the Hall of Fame here, Hall of Fame there. Wow, which, you know, which one of these amazing things are you most proud of? And it, was, it wasn't that at all. No, so at all. what are you most proud of? My proudest moment is graduating uh, from college in 2009. Wow. Uh, in December, uh, just because I was the first one in my family to do that. And uh, it's just one of those things that I promised my late grandmother, who's uh, gone on uh, to be uh, with the Lord uh, when she passed away. You know, she always talked about the importance of academics. Right. And I'll never forget my sixth grade year, I was ineligible to play, co uh, not college, but play middle school football. Come on. Yeah, bro. I was ineligible by one point. And it just hurt me to my core. And just like any young kid, you know, every time that that question came up, why are you not out there playing? You always try to come up with some type of excuse. Right. And then I just came to the realization that, you know, you know, there's no need for me to keep trying to hide behind this curtain. I'm going to just, you know, own it mm -hmm. and, and, and be better and make sure that this that I never have this feeling ever again in my life. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I put a huge emphasis on my academics over mm -hmm. my athletic ability. Really? So how does owning it, change your life. That's a really, un not very popular topic. It's your fault, or you did this. How does owning it change your life? Uh, I think it just goes back to the way that I was raised through my grandparents. You know, mm -hmm. they always told me that, you know, don't never point the finger at others when it's your fault. Oh, wow. You know, always look yourself in the mirror and be able to own any mistake that you make. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's, you know, other dynamics that can take place that you can't control, but the things that you can control Mm -hmm. You have to be able to own a mistake if it doesn't go the way that, that, that you hope for. And, wow. and that was the case in sixth grade. You know, mm -hmm. I was, you know, thinking that my athletic ability would please these teachers. Mm -hmm. And I had a teacher say, no, I'm not going to allow just because you're just this star guy at this middle school at the time just to ease through my school. You're going to have to earn it and you're going to have wow. to put in the work. And Tough that love. really, yeah, yeah, that really set the foundation yeah. for, for for my academics, honestly. And I'm very pleased that she didn't just let me go through because right. you know who knows what course I would have took. Wow, that's fantastic. So now I always ask people, going back to your younger self, mm -hmm. okay, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, man, 20-year-old, <laughs> I'll be, I guess I'd be in college at the moment and I would probably tell myself because I was very different than a lot of my peers because mm -hmm. I had my daughter coming into college. Mm -hmm. So my primary focus wasn't just about me at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, as, even at a young age, I wrote down all my goals that I wanted to accomplish. Okay. And my mom still has that. To this day, she has that letter that I wrote as a younger C.J. Spiller. Mm -hmm. And at the very bottom, 
just like any young kid, I had NFL and I circled it. And so if I was to go back and tell my the 20-year-old version, I would just say enjoy it more than probably what I did because mm -hmm. I would just really focus on trying to make it to that destination that I wrote mm -hmm. down on that piece of paper at a young age. And, yeah, I enjoyed college, but I probably could have enjoyed it more and probably made better friendships with guys outside of football. And mm -hmm. that's my message to my guys in my room today mm -hmm. is make friendships outside of football because you're with your buddies 97 to 98% of the time. Mm -hmm. But it's those friendships that the guy that you're in the English class with that's going to be a lifetime that you never know that you can strike a business deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't put yourself out there and try to make that relationship with that guy, you'll never have the opportunity. So that's always been my encouragement to my guys. That's one of the things that I wish I would have done better mm -hmm. uh, when I was in college. So that okay. would be one of the things that I tell my, my younger 20-year-old version, man, is truly, truly in, enjoy college. Yeah, you have a responsibility because you have a daughter, but truly enjoy the whole aspect of being a college student. Wow, wow. So, so you set goals, I and mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, I, you know, some people do, some people don't. Yeah. But to write that down as a kid, NFL and circle it. So, do you have a process that that you go through for for setting goals now, or do you read them very often, or do you think about them? Tell me how that works for yeah. you. Yeah, oh, I, I just kind of just see where I'm at in life mm -hmm. uh, at that moment, and you know, I, I kind of set short term and long term goals, and I set goals that's. Attainable. I don't go out and set these goals that just out of the reach. You know, I want something. NFL, NFL percentage wise. <laughs> Listen, I set attainable goals. It's like one one thousandth of a percent. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I just knew in my heart and heart, like that was just, you know, obviously I was very blessed with just a, a gift mm -hmm. that, that the Lord gave me. And I really wanted to really craft that gift and be able to honor Him with it. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, yeah, like you say, making it to the NFL is one out of 100,000. But yeah. in my heart of heart, I just knew that if I really worked hard and dedicated and sacrificed, mm -hmm. that I would position myself to hopefully one day be in that position. Right. And it came true. Um, but, you know, I just kind of see where I'm at in life. And then, you know, it, you know, a lot has to do with professional goals. A right. lot has to do with family right. goals. Right. Right. Um, and I just, you know, kind of just go from there. And, you know, like I said, I make short-term and make long-term. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's no mm – -hmm. I don't want to say it's no magic wand to it. I think each person has to really evaluate mm -hmm. where they're at in mm -hmm. life and kind of you just, you know, and then where you want to be at in life as well. Right. And, and then you kind of just go from there. And, and then you just mm – -hmm. you write it. To me, I'm, always, I'm a visual learner, mm -hmm. so I have to write this stuff down. I don't want to just say it in the open air and then, you know, three months from now, you would be like, man, what was that goal I was like, right, right, that goal right. I said three months ago? <laughs> so I said – I put it in – I have a notebook and I write it down and I always look at it, you know, from week to week and, mm -hmm. and kind of see, you know, how, how I'm doing to get into that goal. That's fantastic. So, so now you're running back coach yeah. at, Clemson. at Clemson. No less, right? Where you played, right? Where I played, I'm a martyr. Yeah, uh, yeah. Truly, where you graduated truly. from? Yeah, graduated the big, the big, from. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what? I mean, what is that like? Uh, it's an honor, truly. It, it, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm going into my fourth year overall, but my third year as a running back coach. And to uh, to be honest with you, Eric, it still hasn't sunk in that I'm the running back coach at Clemson. My alma mater, place that I played played at a place that's very dear in my heart, mm -hmm. a place that's that that's special to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I take tremendous pride into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I take, uh, like I said, it's a it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. And every time I go out and I interact with a young man or or his family, I want to make sure that I'm representing my university at the utmost respect. Um, because even when you know, hopefully after a very long coaching career, when I'm done. Mm -hmm. 
I'm still gonna want my university to be very special and very uh, unique in mm -hmm. other places. Mm -hmm. And your other coaches, you have some some other some famous coaches you're with there. So yeah. so what's it like with Dabo and the the, uh, the whole team? Yeah, I mean we ha we have a great culture there, and I think uh, Coach Sweeney does a great job of setting the tone of that. You know, everybody knows what the standard is at Clemson, and I mean you pretty much just fall in line with that. And mm -hmm. uh, he he's very family oriented, and he lets that be known. Obviously, everybody knows about his faith, mm -hmm. and he lets that he's not ashamed of that. And so you know where you stand with coach. There's no second guessing. Like, okay, where do I stand? Like, you you know exactly where you he stand. Let you at. Know, huh? And he lets you know in a very respectful manner, uh, very competitive, uh, but does a great job uh, with his players. You know, making sure that you know. I was just telling Jerry earlier that the way that he sets the program up is he's setting it up for that 30 year old version mm -hmm. of that of that guy of that young man mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. know he always say you know either going to come hug my neck when we see each other or you going to turn and run away and hopefully it's going to be the one where you come and hug my neck because the things that you know the the way that we set it up is for you to go off and be successful in life because the reality is everybody's not going to make the NFL that's the right. reality right. And, but we have other departments in our in our program that can help you go off and be successful with starting with Paul Journey, mm -hmm. which is the game changer for, mm -hmm. our, for our guys. And these guys having a chance to do micro-term in, internships, mm -hmm. you know, they getting a chance to go and sit down with, you know, high executive. They go do a business week. Mm -hmm. You know, they go to New York. They were just in L.A. this past this uh, mm -hmm. past spring. I mean, they go and sit down with Maverick Carter, who's, you know, obviously with LeBron. You right. know, so not the average guy can go and just no. have a meeting with that guy. You right. know? So these guys try to do a great job of taking advantage of that. That's fantastic. So so now is you're you're traveling some, you're, you're recruiting. <laughs> what is that like? It's yeah. a lot of travel, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, the month of May is really our big uh, traveling for recruiting. And to me, I love it because I get an opportunity to go out and meet coaches and establish relationships mm -hmm. and also get a chance to get eyes <laughs> on these younger guys that have dreams of going off and being in college. And also you get your chance to really get to know their story. Mm -hmm. You know, some of it's very similar, some of it's not. So it's, it's a very unique situation because everybody's different. And so I really take pride into really getting to know the person and not mm -hmm. just the player because it's easy for you to sit there behind a desk and watch the film and say, oh, yeah, just a great player. But what makes that what makes that person a great player? Well, like, right. what, what's his backbone? What's his mm -hmm. foundation? Mm -hmm. So that's the part that I truly enjoy getting to really know that young man and his family. If they ask you, what are two or three reasons why I should choose Clemson? I mean, what would you tell them? Uh, well, number one, uh, is it's different. Um, and I would say that it's, it's a special place with special people mm -hmm. and that you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish at Clemson if you decide to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody think Clemson, you can't accomplish all these great things because of, I guess, the demographic area because it's a small college town. But when you really come on campus, you really realize, oh, wow, I can really mm -hmm. accomplish a lot. I mean, we got a $60 million business uh, building. I mean, mm -hmm. our engineering is one of the tops in the country, if mm -hmm. not the tops. So, I mean, whatever you want to accomplish in life, you have it right there. And then the friendships that you're going to make with mm -hmm. people from all across the world, you know, people that you're going to be able to engage with on a daily basis. That's something that's special. Mm. Fantastic. If you're, if you're somehow I'm 18 years old now, I'm sitting at home, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what to do. Would you have advice for, for even, even if athletics are not athletics? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what would you tell somebody? 
well, I would tell them, first I would ask, like, what are you passionate about? Right. You know, because first you have to find out what you're passionate about to really, you know, give them great advice. Right. You know, especially if it's, you know, non-athletic. And then whatever you're passionate about it, you make sure that you're putting all your resources into that and making sure that you're honing in that craft to go mm -hmm. out and be special. And then I would tell people networking. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's mm -hmm. huge, mm -hmm. you know, and go out and, you know, meet people. To me, that took a while but just because I'm a very reserved uh, person and mm -hmm. very quiet and try to stay to myself. Mm -hmm. But it, it took me some years to really open up and really get out into networking, meeting, you know, different people, mm -hmm. uh, people that, you know, that has these businesses that you mm -hmm. hopefully can, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully can share with and try mm -hmm. to get some ideas mm -hmm. and ask them what made them successful. And then you mm -hmm. kind of take that and, you know, use that to your advantage. Um, sure. So that would kind of be my... My thing is kind of ask them, you know, what are they passionate about, mm -hmm. and then whatever that is, make sure that you're that you're honing in on that and, and doing everything you can to to make sure that it's great. Sure. So when you're growing up, or even now, did you have any any role models you learned a lot from? Uh, well, I grew up in a very small town, uh, right outside of. Uh, I grew up in a town called Union County, which is right outside Gainesville. I mean, it's probably one of the honestly probably one of the smallest towns in the entire state of Florida. Um, you know, really the big occupation uh, for my hometown is either working at the prison, and that was not on my list at all. <laughs> I was not doing that. Or, uh, you know, some people, you know, from from a, from a woman's perspective is, you know, become a nurse or something. Right. You know, so my, my role models really was my grandfather. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, you know, af athletes that, you know, I looked at, you know, Ward Dunn was my guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the reason I wore 28. And then it wasn't just because of what he done off the field. I was very intrigued with what he does off the field. Even to this day, his charity work that he does with mm -hmm. giving single parent um, um, moms homes, you know, to me that was wow, very, great. very yeah. intriguing to yeah. me. And to me, I was like, that's that's a role model. That's who I want to mm -hmm. look up mm -hmm. to. Um, but I would probably say my grandfather. I mean, he taught me everything um, that I know just from mm -hmm. hard work, you know, how to provide, you know, for your family how to treat your wife, you know, mm -hmm. how to really become a, a, a man, you mm -hmm. know. And so he, he was really my, my top role model. Mm. What motivates you today? What motivates me today? I would say my two, my two young kids, okay. um, Shania and Kate. Mm -hmm. that, that, and I would say my wife, Daisha, mm -hmm. th those three, uh, outside of, you know, my, my normal family. Right. Um, but I would say those three are, are my motivation uh, mm -hmm. because I know every day that I wake up and I walk out that door, Mm -hmm. That I I have I'm responsible for a lot of lives that's right. connected in my inner circle, especially right. those three. You know, so right. my decision making can't be selfish because right. whatever decision I make is going to affect those three that's in my household. Right. Uh, so th that's always my motivation is you know. And then I always want my my daughter who's 17 now, my baby boy who just turned one. I just want them to be proud of the pops. Right. Uh, whenever they, you know, go on right. Google or right. whatever, or if they have a conversation with somebody, they'll have a, they'll be able to have a smile on their face mm -hmm. walking away from that conversation, knowing right. that that their dad did it the right way. Not that I'm perfect, but he did it the right way, and he treated people with the utmost respect. Right. That's, that's kind that's of good. what motivates me. That's good. That's good. So do you? Uh, so how do you set goals now? Do you take time in the morning? Does I know you have them? You read them? You do different things, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And do you set them in different areas of life? You know, like we talk about faith, family, fitness, finance, friends. Right. Or like five F's to think about. You talked about uh, referrals, having friends outside uh, of it, or, or you're talking about networking. Is what you said, and, right. and have, having friends outside of the sport. So how do you maintain harmony or balance? 
in, in, in your goal setting in such a com competitive and time demanding space? Uh, I, I think you have to really, you have to spend that quiet time. You know, for me, I mean, it's my faith. So I have to spend that quiet time, you know, with my Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. and, you know, and really ask him for guidance, you know, because mm -hmm. we, I can't do this on my own, right? Right. Um, so I really have to try to ask him for guidance and, you know, and kind of really, you know, I talk to Pops. So that's what I mean. That's what I call him. I talk to Pops and kind of see, you know, you know, and hear his voice. And you have to really, truly be able to block out all the noise mm -hmm. to be able to really hear that voice. Mm -hmm. and, and and then I kind of just go through there. So, I mean, every morning, I mean, people that follow me on social media, I mean, I post my devotions. Like, oh, I see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, yeah. I do that personally. Like, okay. people be like, oh, do you post? I'm like, yeah, nobody. I don't have no PR team that posts stuff for mm -hmm. me. I I do it so if it if it's wrong it's it's me that did it wrong. Um, right. So I post that every every morning, um, and then I, I have a, a daily devotion book that I read that has obviously the date. So each each day I read that, and it has like you know, it asks you questions at the very end. Okay, mm -hmm. are you doing this and this, or are you, have mm -hmm. you done this or that? Um, and so I, I read that on a daily on a daily uh, focus, mm -hmm. and and then I kind of just get my day started. And then you know to get to your question like. You know, from a spiritual standpoint, I just kind of see where I'm at spiritually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of know where I want to be at, you know. And, you know, and every day I try to, you know, hopefully I can imitate the, the right perspective of um, the image of God uh, each day that, I, that, I, that I'm on this earth. And so, you know, um, I, I have an uncle that's in Atlanta. You know, he's a pastor. And so we talk every morning, you know, and it's not always about scriptures, but about daily about, you know, everyday stuff, you know, and so that truly helps me to keep stuff in perspective. And then when it comes to my family, because I'm in a, you know, I'm in a different stage, you know, my daughter, she's getting ready to turn, you know, she's going to be a senior high school. Right, <laughs> right, right, so right. Our right. conversations are totally different now sure. than they were when she was a 10-year-old, right. you know, so we, we having conversation now about college decisions, right. you know, something that I didn't think about when she was 10-year-old, right. you know, and, and then, you know, boys and mm -hmm. all that stuff, so... Our conversation, our relationships is, you know, is, is very different, you know, compared to the the new one, uh, Kate, that's one year old, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to tell him that, hey, man, you need to lose some of this energy so you can go to sleep. <laughs> uh, so it, it kind of just, it just varies. Um, and then, you know, for me and my wife, we just, I think the biggest thing when it comes to, to marriage, to me, is communication. Right. And you have to be open and honest with each other and kind of make sure that there's a, a balance between the two. It can't be, you know, a 60-40 a right. type ordeal. I mean, truly it has to be 50-50 right. because you're a team. And, right. you know, obviously the, the, the man is the head of the household, but you want to make sure that, you know, everybody's in line with mm -hmm. what's going on and not like a – don't want to run it like a dictatorship, I guess you would say. Right. Um, so we kind of just have open conversations about, you know, where we at and what, where we want to be, you know, mm -hmm. from – from a marriage standpoint, you know, because, you know, the only great marriage, you know, that I seen growing up was my grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, so I know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I try to take that, what I learned watching sure. them That's great. To, to, yeah. to my marriage. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so our, our show, you know, studying your way of success is, is really indicates that, you know, there's no success without setback. Right. You know, so have you had any setbacks you can share or, or, or any way that you deal with setbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of success is the setbacks and, and the failures, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'd have had a bunch of them. I mean, I'm, I'd have had a you know uh, a bunch of setbacks, you know, of of not you know attaining some of the the goals that I set out to do. But that mm -hmm. just adds fuel to the fire, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Adversity, I think, is really makes you who you are. 
Right. Um, um, I could probably say probably, you know, in in high school, you know, uh, you know, because my grandmother was a custodian, you know, and so when she passed, you know, that was to me that was a setback because she got me started with football, mm-hmm. and so you know, this was my eighth grade year. And so when that took place, you know, I got really in a dark, dark area, I guess, mm, a dark spot I'm in my sure, life, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was looking forward to, you know, going and being in high school with my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I had to, you know, I was she the one that that's why I'm a morning person, you know, because she was a custodian, so we had to go clean the schools. <laughs> so, mm. um, so I was looking forward to those days. So when that happened, I really lost a lot of my passion and drive for the game of football. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I had that conversation with my grand, my granddaddy and he kind of just reinstilled that passion that I mm-hmm. had to lost for the game, mm-hmm. you know. And and then you get to, you know, to college, you know. Um, you know, every everybody wants to – and I don't very talk about this very often, but everybody wants to win the Heisman Trophy. That's like the pinnacle of mm-hmm. college football. Right. And when that didn't take place in 09, you know, a lot of people asked me, was I hurt? Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm human. <laughs> yeah. But I was more hurt for my teammates because I seen the the dedication and the sacrifice that they displayed throughout that season to try to put me in that position. Mm. And that's very rare in college football for your teammates to do that. And so I was more hurt from that standpoint. And – Again, my uncle, and it was in New York, and so I was devastated. I was like, "Man, this is, this is just wrong." Like, mm. this, I think they they just did my teammates wrong, and I just remember as I was getting ready getting ready for the NFL draft. I remember my uncle said, "Remember when you didn't go to the um, the Heisman? Look now, God's getting ready to to send you up there for the NFL draft. Yeah, the brightest, the biggest stage there is in the world. That's right." And so it's kind of like a, a twofold, you know, mm-hmm. coming full circle. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't go that first time in December, mm-hmm. but April I was there. Right. And to me, that was kind of like that full circle. Um, and then, you know, my senior year, you know, a lot of people don't know. I, I mean, I played with turf toe. I mean, to me, that was a setback. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, that was a setback. I mean, that's people don't. Under, that's painful. That's very painful. You know, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Whoa. Yes. That's that's very painful. It was. It was a tough season to to navigate through, um, and it happened the first game of the year. <laughs> the first game, I, I mean, I that play will never get out of my head. I still remember I returned the punt on our sideline, and I went to make the punter miss, and as I made him miss, the defender jumped on my back, and as people that's very familiar with turf toe, it extended my big toe as I was playing. It extended farther than what it should. And I knew right away yeah. something was wrong when I got up right. because I got up and I couldn't. I'm like, and I tried to push off and I'm like, whoa, that that didn't feel normal. And so I go to my to our trainer at the time, uh, Danny Poole, and I'm like, something don't feel right about my foot. Like I can't I can't push off. They're like what do you mean you can't push? I'm like I literally cannot push off with my foot. And so we doing all the the exercise and the exams and stuff back down the behind the bench, and now everybody see I'm limping. I'm like, man, something I can't I can't I can't push off. I can't run. And so we go back into the locker room. We examine it like, like you probably gonna have turf toe. I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, your toe get extended farther than what it should be. I'm like, what well, can I play? He's like, you can play, but it's gonna be it's gonna be painful. We're gonna have to do some stuff before the game. Um, wow. And but you know that and so that's to me. But it gave me another perspective of my teammates. 
was that 2009 season? 2009 season. So that was a season for the Heisman. Yeah, that was a season for the Heisman. Yeah, the Heisman with the and, you know, what? people Man. that's very familiar, you know, had to do what I had to do before games. But, you know, if you go back and look at that season, about the first six games of that year, we had rain delays. And so, as you know, medicine wears off. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stay forever. <laughs> so half the season, I didn't even finish half the games because I couldn't because my foot would swell up, you know, after the games. It would swell up during the games. So I couldn't finish. And so that was that was very frustrating. Um, but, you know, I think with my faith, it got me through it all. Honestly. Wow. And I keep going back to that but because it's really big in my life. I think with my faith, it got me through it all because I think the normal person would have just gave up and said, you know what, I'm not playing. But I had right. set out to – and I had made a vow to my teammates that I was coming back to try to help them win an ACC championship. Right. And I wanted to make sure that I lived up to it. So I was going to do whatever they had to do to make sure that I was on that field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I came back my last year to graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about earlier, you know, I'm the first one in my family to, to graduate. That's huge, yeah. You know, so that was huge for me. Um, so it was – so I'd have, I'd have had, you know, setbacks. And then you get to my professional career, you know. You know, you just top, you know, top pick. Everybody think you're gonna just walk in and boom, boula, and have mm-hmm. this instant success. You know, I don't start my first two years, so now I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know, because I'm not starting my <laughs> oh, first two man. years. Um, and but it was a process that I had to go through. Right. And I had great teammates with Fred Jackson, and I played with the the great Marshawn Lynch, who was right. probably one of my greatest teammates. Right. Um, and I, those guys were able to mentor me. And then when my time came, 2012, here I am, a, a, my Pro Bowl season. Wow. Uh, so it just takes time. You can't rush the process. You, you obviously, yeah, there's frustration that comes right. along the way. Right. Uh, but you just have to keep pushing through and keep trusting and and never doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing I see with a lot of guys is that they doubt themselves or it's their their circle that put doubts in their mind. So you have to be very mm. careful of your who circle, you with, who yeah. you associate yourself with, because that stuff can really creep into your mind. And now you're sitting at home. Like wondering, questioning yourself, something that you'd have done your whole life. Now you question yourself, can you do it? Mm. You know, so I had a great team around me that kept me very positive. You know, always my mom, them, my brother, my sister. Uh, and then my daughter, every time, you know, even when I wasn't playing, every time after the game, she didn't know because she was young at the time when I was drafted. She always put a smile on my face, you know. And so to me, that just meant the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't care if I didn't touch the ball at all. But every time I seen her after the game, she was smiling. Like right. I had to touch it 20 times. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so, wow. I mean, you just have to just keep pushing, and then eventually your time will come. Wow. So looking back on your college career and your pro career in football, is, are there a, is there a play from college and a play from the pro? You're like, man, this is, this is it. This is a big, this is a big one. Uh, I mean, everybody always think when it comes to college that I, always gonna, that I instantly go to the Georgia Tech move. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was really the Boston College my first game, uh, well, my first touchdown as a collegiate, uh, okay, okay, as a collegiate player, um, and then you know, so it was literally the exact same. It's ironic because it was literally the exact same play that I did against Georgia Tech, where <laughs> they weren't so, watching the reels. Yeah, huh? They weren't watching the reel. I guess they didn't go back and study the tape. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but I would say that, and then to come for a circle, my first NFL touchdown. Guess what took place? Up in Massachusetts against New England Patriots. Wow. So my first college. Touchdown took place against Boston College. Oh, interesting. Okay. And okay. then my first NFL touchdown took place against the New England Patriots. I'm Fantastic. like, wow, that's that's kind of interesting. That's uh, great. So, so I, that's I, great. 
So I don't know if I got any stock up there. I don't think the people up there are, are too happy with me. Yeah. But I love playing in their stadiums. No, no Boston chowder up <laughs> yeah. there, huh? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be invited to the Clem chowder dinner. So, so um, um, But I, w- I would say those, that play in particular in college and then those two plays in the right. NFL. Is there a coach that shaped you the most, do you think? Oh, ooh, that's a tough one right there now, Eric. I would probably say my late high school coach, Buddy Nobles, mm-hmm. probably shaped me the most mm-hmm. um, because he really taught me what it meant to be a uh, unself well to be an unselfish player mm-hmm. and to not worry about the stats and all the stuff that comes with it, and to always believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And I say that because. I remember when we played a playoff game. It was the semifinal game, a team we literally should have destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we ran a screen at the end of the game to try to win the game. And obviously, I was involved in the play. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a lot of headlines and a lot of chatter in our town about why did he give the ball to me. Mm. And I remember he called me to the office and he said, and he always called me C. He never called me CJ. He mm-hmm. always say C. He says, he says, C. He said, that obviously, I know you hear all the chatter and all the headlines and all that stuff. But he said, if I had to do it again, I'm going to get a ball to my best player every time. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, and from that point, I told him, Coach, I appreciate you. And, you know, and he was like a, a father figure to me. Wow. You know, um, you know his, him and his family, um, his wife, uh, Miss Tammy, and then his two uh, sons. Well, he got three kids. His two sons, I grew up one of them, Casey and then Caleb. And then his daughter Kenley. So they're they're like my brothers, and she's like my second mom. So, mm-hmm. but when he told me that, it just put a different mm-hmm. perspective between a player and coach relationship. Oh sure. Like man, he has all the trust. No matter what nobody, yeah, yeah. No matter what nobody says, nobody no no matter how people question him, he's always going to try to put the ball into his best player's hand. And then mm-hmm. it's just up to that player to try to go out there and make the play. And mm-hmm. I mean, we was close to making it. And. That night we just fell short, and, mm. and from mm. that point forward we had a great relationship. When you're coaching running backs now, I mean, are the, is there a go-to <laughs> like I got? I, these are the three things yeah. to think about. Or uh, yeah, when I coach them now, honestly, I try to coach my guys the way that I was coached. So like when people come to a practice, like they're not gonna see a big yeller from Coach Spiller mm-hmm. because none of my running back coach was yellers. Like mm-hmm. they didn't yell at you. You know, and so to me, I always said if I was to ever get in this profession, like I'm not going to yell at – to me, I'm not going to yell at my guy. I'm not going to try to belittle those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know the, the enormous pressure that comes oh, with playing yeah. the position or just right. playing the game itself. Right. You know, so I want to make sure that I give them the most the, – make sure that they have the most confident in the world. Mm-hmm. Even if I know in the back of my head that, man, this, this, this guy <laughs> just ain't probably got it. Yeah, right. I'm going to still make sure that this guy feels confident that he can go out there and get the job done. Right. Like that's my that's my job is to to give them that confidence, mm-hmm. and so that's really try to how I try to, you know, coach my guys. I mean, obviously you got to be tough. You want to be smart, um, but the biggest thing that we always talk about is have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kids' game. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me on Saturdays, to me that was just. That was the time to have fun. During the right. week is when you put in all the work. Saturday right. is when it's right. time to have fun. It's a good time, yeah. It's the good yeah. time, you yeah. know. So that's kind of how I try to go about it in our room. Obviously, we get our job done, but we're going to have a good time. And then, you know, I have a different approach than probably a lot of people. So, like, on Tuesdays, we call it uh, uh, Academic Tuesday. 
And so every guy that's in my room, I, I have an orange seat. I put it in the front, and we go through the academics. And so if I'm going to preach about how important academics is to me, and I know that's the number one thing in our program, well, we got to take some time out throughout the week to make sure that we're covering this stuff as a group. And I don't do that to try to embarrass no mm -hmm. guy in my room. Mm -hmm. I do that so every guy in our room knows who's pulling their weight and who's not. Mm. Okay. You know, and, right. and everybody know what the standard is. You know, and so to me, I don't really have to say much because I have you know two older guys, Will Shipley and Phil Moffa, that that can really say say what I need, <laughs> what needs to be said, what I sure. need happen to say. Um, so we go through that on Tuesdays, mm -hmm. um, and it, and I think it kind of just keep those guys in line because I think anytime you're in this profession and it's all about X's and O's. Mm -hmm you're not going to have a relationship. And to me, I'm a huge relationship type person. Right. And I want my relationship to be more than just three or four years while you're at college. Right. I want my relationship to be a lifetime. Right. You know, and, right. and I always give the example of Darren Rencher. You know, I, I coached Darren for, for one year, um, but it says a lot about our relationship because he invited me and my wife to his wedding. You know, mm -hmm. here a guy didn't recruit him, only had spent, you know, a year or two around him and, you know, I guess through our interaction, the way I treated him, you know, he felt like it was important for, for me and my wife mm -hmm. to, to be at his wedding. And we was. And I, was, I, always, I always tell my guys that, mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm going to be there. Coach going to be there. You know, if you invite me to the wedding, I'm coming. If you don't, hey, I'll send you a gift. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. If you, if you get ready right, to have that right, first child, right, I'm right, coming. Right, right, yeah, right, I'm going right. to be there. So that's the relationship that I have because that's what I have with my coaches. You know, to that's this day, I can call any of my running back coaches and they're going to pick up the phone. And so that's what I wanted. Sure. As a coach, if I if I, you know, when I got into this profession, that's good. That's good. Two more questions, maybe two. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, good. no this is awesome. So, so, what's next for you as you move ahead in foot in football and life? Mm -hmm. What do we want? Uh, I mean, to me, is I mean, everybody dreams about you know becoming trying to become a head coach, right? But to me, it takes steps and it's a process. So, you know, I never try to look too far down the road. Mm -hmm. I always want to stay in that moment so I can enjoy that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, so the next step for me is really how can I make sure that my guys are prepared the best way possible to their best ability come Saturdays? And how are my guys prepared for life? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's my next step because I don't want to look back and when a guy's going and be like, man, I wish I would have mm -hmm. just gave him that that little nugget. Mm -hmm. what, mm -hmm. I want to take advantage of that opportunity now where I have those guys in my room. So I would say when it comes from coaching, that I would say I want to stay president in this moment and kind of just see where this path leads. And, and obviously up under some great guidance, with, you know, starting with Coach Sweeney and now with our new offense coordinator with Coach uh, Riley, mm -hmm. you know, really just soaking it up and just seeing how these guys – what make them special? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's it'd be naive for not for me not to sit back and watch. You know, obviously I've known Coach for a long time now, but I'm still always intrigued by the decision making that he mm -hmm. makes and you know how he interact with with people. You know, to me that's that's very intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. You know, because it takes a special person to do what he oh, does. Sure, sure. Um, and then with Coach Riley getting a chance to know him and just seeing how how humble he is mm -hmm. and how open he is, that's that's intriguing mm -hmm. um, because you know if if you want to one day be in those positions, you got to be able to to take stuff from from different people. Um, mm -hmm. But to me, my my focus right now really is just, you know, how can I make sure that my guys are very uh, prepared come Saturdays and then also prepared for life? Uh, because just because we talk about different topics in our room outside of football. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. All right, so 
what do you want to be remembered as long term? Long term? Um, ooh, that's a good one. I never really thought about that one. Um, when it's all said and done, uh, when people say, what do I want to be remembered as? I would probably say a guy that just, he, that was humble, that, that done it the right way, um, had a lot of respect for everybody's job, no matter what the title was, mm-hmm. um, and then really just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that would be some of the top things that that comes to mind when I say want want people to remember is that you know a guy that loved his family, um, and then obviously, like I say, that enjoyed life. Mm. That's fantastic, fantastic. So you you, you give back on the field. Mm-hmm. I spend time with people. You said that the you chose a number after somebody who gave back and helped single moms right buying houses. Um, how do you give back uh, in other ways? One of the things I've noticed is that the, the Clemson football team, they, they'll build a house. Right. And, and I may have seen your picture over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but how do you give back outside the field? And how do, do you recommend other people you know, see how they can? They may have a different gift or a different right. network than you, but how, 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 you know, what do you think about giving back? Uh, I think, to me, it starts in, in a person's heart. So for me, you know, and this – I don't even know if it's been publicly announced yet, but so I wanted to do an endowment mm. for Clemson because mm-hmm. I just—I mean, I'm always going to have some type of affiliation with mm-hmm. that university. Mm-hmm. So this year, uh, this goes back to that conversation, having communication mm-hmm. with you know in the mayor. So I talked to my wife and I like, hey, you know, because I grew up in a single parent home and I wanted to um, be able to our endowment endowment to be able to focus towards kids that grew up in that environment mm-hmm. but also kids that's right there at the edge of graduating but mm-hmm. does not have the financial means to finish mm-hmm. and I want to give them the opportunity to finish so wow. that they can be a difference maker in their family in mm-hmm. their community mm-hmm. so that's what the Spiller family endowment is about mm-hmm. and we just started that this spring Man, that's fantastic. And, and it's and it's awesome. And, you know, I don't – everything I do, I don't do it for clicks or likes. That's why I'm, that's why I sound very reserved mm-hmm. um, because I want my stuff to come from my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, any, anything – anytime I get involved with anything, if it's, you know, business deal and do, or doing something like this, I'm always make sure it comes from my heart and I'm always going to go to prayer. And, and I think, you know, this, this was the right time, you know, because I always thought about it, but it just mm-hmm. – to me, the timing and the, the feel just wasn't right. But mm-hmm. this year, really, you know, having a deep dive into it, I felt like this was the time to really do it. So we're excited about it. And, and, and you know, we may, we may meet these kids. We may not. I may never meet these kids. But mm-hmm. I at least want them to have the opportunity to, if they're at the finish line and don't have the financial means sure. to be able to finish, mm-hmm. that they, they can go to that and be like, okay, I'm going to be able to finish to change their family dynamics. Interesting. What's so interesting, I've worked with some people that have a foundation as well. Another former football player from Mm -hmm. Hills from Florida. Yeah. And, and, um, but those are so, there's so many people who want to, want to help, but don't know how to help. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and if there's a foundation that you would run or have your hand on, I mean, that would open the doors for a lot of people that have had a right. similar experience. Or, right. I really want to give back, but I don't really have the, the network or, or things to do that. So I, I commend you for doing that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And if, if somebody wants to learn more about that, well, once you have it set up, let me know. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, because we're in the process of now of doing all that where, you know, um, a lady um, that's helping me, um, she getting like the QR code so that, so anytime I do like a, a speech, speaking engagement or somebody mm-hmm. to say, hey, I want to donate, I'm going to just send them right to the, I'm going to just send them to the, the endowment, sure. you know, so that they can be part of something that's going to be special, that's going to change a young man, a young woman's life. No doubt. To me, that's what it's about because without, honestly, without getting a scholarship to play football, mm-hmm. I don't know if I go to college, you know, just because of from a financial standpoint from my mom, you know, right. I didn't grow up in the richest uh, area. Right, um, you know, my right. mom didn't have that, those type of means. I mean, it would have been a lot of student loans. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I would have went to college, but it would have been some student loans. Right, um, right. So I just, I just feel, always felt in my heart, man, just to be able to give back to students so that they can go off and change the dynamics of their family. Because I seen what it done for, to my family, mm-hmm. and I just wanted, I want those kids to be able to experience the same thing. So that's that, fantastic. That, that was a lot of thought to that. Man, powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, last one. Last one. Last one. Closing question. Closing question. I think I think I close the question. So if you were to say these are three things to think about, three things to think about that I would recommend, I being you, I'd recommend that you think about these three things in life. What are those three things? Three things in life to think about. Obviously, you always have to think about your family. Mm-hmm. You always have to think about your family. Then, <clears throat> or if you want to switch it, you can start with faith. But to me, to me, faith is like a a given answer. Right. So family is always, that's one thing you always have to think about. And then another thing, you have to think about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you, you can't help others if you're not helping yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you always have to think about yourself. And then I would put in there, <clears throat> think about how do you want to enjoy life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or the question that you just asked me. How do you want your name or or whatever to be remembered? How, right. how do you want people to remember you? Right. Those are to me. Those are three legitimate things to to think about. You know, a lot of people don't think about that, you know. And you know, a lot of people get you know turned off when they go to thinking about you know how do you want to be remembered? Because now they're right. thinking about you know uh, <laughs> you know yeah. that. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. people don't want to yeah. take that. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, we living in a in a in an age where you just never know. So you just always. I'm not sitting here saying that you sit here and ponder on it, you know, for 24 hours. Right. But it's it's nothing wrong with with thinking about, you know, how do you want to be remembered, you know, thinking about your family, then also yourself. Right. Right. So I think those are three legitimate things. That's strong. That's strong. That goes about it. Good deal. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Thank you for joining another episode of Stuttering Your Way to Success with my friend, C.J. Spiller.